just when you think we're gonna have some room to like stretch out and not be crammed, it's just like piles in. So that, that's a great thing. I uh, really appreciate Scott with uh, the songs. That, that last song, it always gets me. Some songs get me from like an emotional standpoint where like I, I just, I feel very emotional um, and uh, not, not in a sad way, but it really just kind of brings tears to my eyes. And that one kind of does that, but more than anything, I just, I just feel so invigorated and it's just so on fire because of that song. So I appreciate that a lot. As David just read, we're in Ecclesiastes 11 and 12. So we're picking up back in Ecclesiastes. And just a reminder as we, uh, as we turn there, this is written by who we think is Solomon, but it just says the preacher. It's a wise man, a preacher that has gained a lot of wisdom. We think it's Solomon because of some really uh, pretty good evidence based on the fact that he says he's a king in Jerusalem. There were only a few kings of all of Israel of the United Kingdom that were in Jerusalem, and Solomon uh, was one of those. Uh, we know from his story that he did ask for wisdom, and he was granted that wisdom, or he was, he was granted that wisdom. Um, we, we know some other things about him, and as we've looked, really one of the main things that, that we've gotten from Ecclesiastes, I think, is that Solomon was a man that had everything, and he didn't use it all uh, the best way that he should have. But he didn't, like, have it all, lose it all, and then learn these lessons. He had it all, and then he was able, in his wisdom, and maybe in his older age, to, to consider what is life all about. And so that's, what, that's why he writes Ecclesiastes. Um, so it, we haven't talked a lot about God throughout Ecclesiastes. I mean, we have, but, but he doesn't really talk much about God. He just talks about life and vanity. And when you see the word vanity, don't just think worthlessness totally. Uh, think of, like, fruitlessness. There's, there is an emptiness there. It's not just life is worthless altogether, but there is a fruitlessness and a worthlessness to life when you have the perspective of just life under the sun this under the sun perspective where we don't consider what comes after death or anything or anything beyond this life it's really worthless um towards the end of ecclesiastes he starts talking more about god and he starts considering okay we, we've talked a lot about life and work and relationships and all of that and what the point of it all is but now death comes and we talked about that in our last lesson that mainly was from chapter 9 and 10 that that death does come so, so now we start our, turn our attention even more to, to God. Um, so today what we're going to talk about is remembering our creator. I hope that shows up okay. We're going to talk about remembering our creator from Ecclesiastes 12.1. Um, I wanted David to read all of that because I think really if you back up, specifically starting in verse 9, I, I think we have a little bit more context. So I, I want to reread uh, starting in verse 9. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go all the way down to uh, chapter 12, verse 8. So it should be on the screen, but just if you want to follow in your Bibles, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9. Solomon says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. You see, now he, he, he starts, starts talking about God even more now. And we'll talk more about this whole judgment thing in the last lesson when we finish up chapter 12. He continues in verse 10 saying, Remove vexation or sorrow from your heart. Put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. 
before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low they are afraid also of what is high and tears are in the way the almond tree blossoms the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped and the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it it's interesting that he he ends there he just talked about man going to his eternal home in verse 5 and then dust returns to dust man was made from dust but the spirit returns to God who gave it and then verse 8 vanity of vanities says the preacher all is vanity um, I want to talk about remembering our creator but first I just want to talk about things that we remember so I started thinking through the value of remembering things and I have a lot of memories. I don't know about you. I have, I have a lot of things I can remember. Uh, some of them aren't very recent. I, I'm, I'm, I've actually, I think I'm getting worse. And worse. I don't know if it's possible for your brain to only have a certain level of capacity, but I, I think mine might be almost full. I need to let go of some things, and that way I can remember things that are more current. Um, but I, ha I remember a lot of things from when I was young. Maybe you're the same. Now, some of those things are just like kind of nothing. But some of those things are very valuable, and they shape us. Some of those things really... Like, we hold on to them, and they make us who we are. Here's some examples of, of things I remember. I remember grabbing the tailpipe of a car after a long road trip when I was three. Like, I, I don't remember what happened to my hand, but I remember I grabbed it, and I remember learning the lesson. I remember my granddad teaching me some things about whittling, and then I remember thinking that I knew what I was doing and um, thought that it wasn't a big deal if my hand was below the blade. So I, I, I remember him teaching me, and then I remember learning the lesson the hard way that do what he said, <laughs> right? Um, and I remember that because I remember the sharp pain in my thumb uh, when I cut it. I remember how satisfying it was when I was in high school to have a job where I could put gas in my own car, I could buy my own food. But then I also remember when I was in college a couple of times getting a text or a phone call from my mom saying, Blake, do you know that your checking account is negative? <laughs> and I mean, like, Oh no, that's that's how that works. So I, I learned I learned both ways, you know, that you, if you, if you like really enjoy making money so you can spend money and and you know provide for yourself one day, you might spend too much of that money and it can all go away. Um, I remember the night that I talked to my granddad about being becoming a Christian, and I remember feeling nervous because I didn't do it that same night. But then I remember a couple weeks later making the call saying, I want to do that. I I, I want to repent of my sins. I want to make that good confession. Like, I remember those things. I, I remember saying, I believe that I need to be baptized into Christ. I have a lot of other memories, but the things about a lot of these things are very valuable to me. I, I learned lessons from these things, which probably explains some things. Like, I am very nervous around hot things. I don't like to touch really hot things. Um, and I'm like, and I, I like, I'm, I'm very careful with that. Anytime Liz is using a knife or anyone, it's not just Liz, anyone using a knife, I'm very I'm nervous about what might happen because, and I, and I, it's kind of funny to think about these things because I've wondered why 
why do I get nervous about well probably because I learned these lessons when I was young that like all it takes is one slip and well now you're going to the doctor um, there's a lot of other things I remember there's a lot of things I remember they're nothing like I remember jumping in the leaves you know after they had been piled up in fall but there's no like meaning or value I, I ascribe to that but I do with these things like they they taught me lessons and I hold on to those things so what do you remember? What are things that you remember from your youth? What are things that you remember that you either learned because you were taught or you learned the hard way because, well, you taught yourself by messing up, that there are certain things that, that just stick with you? Well, I think it's interesting that here at the end of, his, of, of this book, Solomon has already said, life is vanity, life is vanity. There is value in doing certain things, but really at the end, if it's all about what happens in this life, it's just vanity. And now as he starts turning his attention to considering what about that eternity? What about what comes after life? Now he says, you need to remember your creator. I don't think this lesson is just for young people, because I think if you go back to 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 9, I think he's talking mainly to like his son. And he's like, rejoice, oh young man. You know, like, we're not talking about, maybe he's talking to a 5-year-old or 10-year-old, but, but probably not. But he's just saying, hey, the time that you have, like, like, my son, please use it this way. Do these things. And one of the things he says is remember your creator in the days of your youth. We'll talk about this in a little bit, but I really do think this applies to whether you're young or old. So if you're younger and you're like, well, okay, whatever, I've heard this, just try to stick with me. And if you're older and you're like, well, I'm not young, so this doesn't apply, just try to stick with me. We'll, 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 get, to, we'll get to how that applies to you in just a little bit. In chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes, there are some of these verses here, in particular 1 through 3, that I, I just don't understand what he's saying. Like, what, what does he mean when he says, um, in the day the keepers of the house tremble, the strong men are bent? Like, some of these things you, you'd, have, you'd have to look up in a commentary to see what these mean. Um, so I, I found a translation that I thought really helped with, with some of these verses. It's the NLT translation. So if if you can't read it because uh, you can't see it, I'll, I'll read it for you. So it says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. That's basically the same from most translations. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house, start to tremble. And before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding. And before your eyes, the woman looking through the windows see dimly. What he's saying here is that our bodies fail us eventually. Like your legs will give out. Maybe they already have started to. Um, I remember like for all, most of my life at this point, if we wanted to go and just take off running right now, I, I could just do that. I wouldn't love it, but I could do that. Then I remember when I was somewhere in the age of like 27 or something like that, going and just randomly playing softball with, I mean, that might scare you to hear 27, but you know, just trust me, this does happen. Um, going to play softball, I hit the ball, I started taking off running, I pulled my hamstring. Like, and that had never happened before. And I thought, I bet I did it wrong. And then, so then, like, a couple other times that happening, I realized, oh, that's just my body needing to stretch now. That's what that is. 
Um, yesterday, when some of us got together for a baby shower, I, I le- y'all thought I was joking when I was stretching. I was legitimately stretching for that little race because I didn't want to pull something. Uh, I tried to play it off like it was a joke, but it wasn't. Like, our, our legs give out. Our shoulders and our arms fail. We can't, we, we lose our strength, and we just, our bodies fail us. What do you love the most about life? Is it hiking up a mountain and going exploring? That's going to go away. Your legs won't be able to do it anymore. You, you can get those walking sticks, but even then, eventually, it's going to stop. Do you love experiencing good food? What happens when you don't have teeth? The grinders fail. Do you like just being able to go and, and be around people and like just to see smiles on everyone's faces? What about when your eyes start to fail and you can't see anymore? You see, like our bodies fail us to the point that it is heartbreaking. If, if our life is all about things we experience in this life, we will be so disappointed one day. It's going to break our hearts. So I, th- I think really what we are first getting, the first lesson I want us to understand from what he says here about remembering our creator is that our bodies fail us. So if you are trusting in this life and in the body you have, you, you need to shift and start thinking elsewhere. You need to let your hope be somewhere else. So that what, I, what I want to do, this is going to be a pretty simple lesson for today. I've just got a few points um, we're not going to go anywhere else in Scripture. We're just going to draw out a few points from, from what he has said here in chapter 11, verse 9 through 12, verse 8. The first lesson I want us to talk about is that it's hard to remember God before death becomes real. I, I think it's hard. I mean, you could, you could have it impressed upon you by your parents from the time you were little, but the older you get, it seems, it becomes more real. Death becomes more real. Our end becomes more real. Maybe it's because you start going to funerals and actually the, the weightiness of that becomes more real. Maybe it's because someone close to you dies. Maybe it's because you hear something from the doctor that shocks you and makes you realize my death could be real. Whatever it is, it's hard to, like, to make it real before we get to that point, before we get older. But it's not just hard to, for death to be real. It seems like it's hard to consider our creator, to remember God. I don't know why that is. I mean, right now, maybe you think you have a lot of time ahead of you, but anyone that's older will tell you that that time will go away like that, right? At some point, we all will realize that we have less time ahead of us than we have behind us. Our body reminds us of that. The people that we care about remind us of that because their bodies give out and things happen to them. If all your hope is invested in what you enjoy in your youth, as you get older, those hopes start to fade away. They're stripped away from you, and it can seem unfair. What he goes on to say in verses 6 and 7, I think, is really interesting. He says that there's a silver cord that is snapped, a golden bowl is broken, pitcher is shattered. This is kind of difficult to understand what he's saying, but I think he's giving two pictures of life and death. The first is this gold and silver, which what I understand represents the preciousness and value of life. But one day, that silver cord that is holding this golden lamp is going to be cut. It's going to be severed. And the lamp's going to fall. This precious oil is going to spill out. And the light's going to go out. So that's, there's life, and then once the light goes out, it's dead. 
when that's us. And it can happen like that, like people say. The other picture is this, this pitcher that has this water in it. Maybe we'd say this is like the, the life-giving water. So the pitcher's lowered into the well by a pulley, and it brings up water. But one day the pitcher shatters, the pulley breaks, and you can't get that life-giving water anymore. Death is certain. We talked about that in our last Ecclesiastes lesson. I don't feel the need to belabor that point. But, but Solomon does feel the need to belabor that point to his son. So maybe it's important that we just emphasize it and, and are reminded of this. Life feels long when we're young. It feels like we're never going to get to, you know, 30. And then all of a sudden you're 35 and you're like, I don't even, what, what happened? Then all of a sudden you're going to be 60 and you're going to be like, what happened? How did I get here? And then if we're lucky enough, we even get older than that. It's hard to take anything seriously until we either have our backs against the wall or we learn a hard lesson. But that's for me at least. Either, I, either my back is against the wall and I'm like, okay, now I've learned my lesson. Or I mess up so much and then I'm like, now I learned my lesson. Well, we can't mess around with the time we have with our life. We can't mess around with, with our life until our back is against the wall and we're on our deathbed and then learn lessons and then start changing things. We can't just wait until one day when we're old and feeble and we can't do anything and then say, now I need to take life seriously. We don't get a do-over. It's not a good thing to procrastinate with the life that we have. So the first thing I, I just want to emphasize is that it's hard to remember God before death becomes real. But we need to. Like, we need to be remembering God and considering our end even before the end seems like it's close. The second thing I think he's trying to point out here is that starting in your youth is just better. Or maybe another way of saying it that Solomon would say is that it's wise. But starting in your youth, starting remembering God and taking your eternity seriously, it's just better if you do it in your youth. And there's a few things that, that I think if we go back to um, verse 9 of chapter 11, I think he's pointing out. He says, rejoice and let your heart cheer you. And then he says in verse 10, remove vexation from your heart. And then now chapter 12, verse 1, remember your creator. So the first thing he says is, he says, rejoice and make the most of it. Make the most of the life that you have. We talked about that a lot. That throughout Ecclesiastes, he says that we need to be people that enjoy the life that God has given us. Use it up. Whether it's work, whether you, you're able to, to have the blessing of marriage, maybe it's just food, fun, wh whatever you have, it's meant to be used while we can. But the interesting thing in verse 9, he says, walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. I don't think I've ever been told, do whatever your heart desires. I don't think anyone ever encouraged me to do that. Um, because that's a very dangerous instruction to give or encouragement to give someone. But, but imagine that your heart does desire the Lord. Imagine that you're Solomon's son, and he knows that your heart does desire the Lord. Can't he then say, like, pursue what your heart's desire is? That, that, that's a good lesson for us. Like, if you're young and your heart is set on the Lord and you really want to pursue him, you want to understand him, you want to live in honor of him, then your heart becomes changed from an early age. And then you actually can pursue the desires of your heart because it, it's really all about pleasing God. But see, the older we get, the more our heart is very difficult to change and mold. So I think that one of the challenges is that maybe we should, if we're older, maybe we shouldn't rejoice and do the desires of our heart. 
Because what if our heart is not turned to God yet? So there's actually a, a really good, encouraging thing for younger people here that do this earlier on. Set your heart, set your mind, set your will on pleasing the Father, and then you can actually accomplish your desires of your heart. Another lesson I think he's bringing up is that our hearts become sorrowful. He says, remove vexation from your heart. Put away pain from your body. The sorrow and hard things in life make it difficult to focus on what's most important. I mean, if you really think about how you spend your time, do you spend your time on what really matters most? Or is it what's like most immediately and pressing in your face you have to accomplish? Like if you were to weigh out every, if you were just to list out everything that needs to be done and it didn't matter the actual uh, timeline, like it didn't matter if, if your boss was waiting for that project to be done, it didn't matter if the house needed this or that, whatever. If you just like list out everything that needs to be done, I would hope that all the spiritual things, all the those things that we recognize there's true value in would be at the top of the list. And then all the other things would be at the bottom. But why do we accomplish the things at the bottom before the things at the top? It's because it's like right there in our face and someone's saying there's a deadline. You gotta do it. Well, our hearts become sorrowful the older we get. There's more responsibilities. There's more things that are happening. So he's saying, remove that vexation while you're young. And I really think what he's trying to say is set your priorities while you're young. So if you haven't done that, and you're older, well, maybe start changing those priorities now. Remove vexation and sorrow now. Prioritize what is most important. We focus on the immediate instead of the eternal. We do things like put band-aids on things that are actually broken and think it's going to be okay, and it's not. Like So maybe you're, you're, you feel a sense of emptiness, and so you fill it with things that are just fun and momentary. That's like putting a band-aid on a broken bone. It's pointless. When we focus on the immediate things, we make it harder to focus on God. So he says remove those things in your youth. So that way the older you get, the easier it is. And I think this also is pointing just to the last lesson from, from this one point here is that life makes it harder to remember God. Like The older we get, I think life tries to make it hard to remember God and to consider our creator. That doesn't mean it's impossible. Some of you probably think, well, I feel like I don't struggle with that at all. And that, that's great. But there are a lot of people that because of the weightiness of life and the responsibilities and the stresses, they feel like they can't even focus on God and really consider God that much. Life makes it harder. So start when you're younger. I don't know if this is true, but I, th I think this is true, that the longer that we stay with God, the longer we pursue God, the easier it is to stay with God. So I think we need to start when we're younger. So now I want to talk real quick about what if you are older, and I'm not going to look at any one person. That way no one thinks I'm actually, I'm just going to let my eyes just keep moving around. <laughs> I'm not focusing on any one person, okay? If you are older and you're like, well, what, what does that mean for me? Well, just consider this. If someone is 13 and they hope to live till they're 80, you think they have all the time in the world. Start now, you set yourself on a good path, and then by the time you're 80, it, things will be just so much better, right? What if you're already older? What if you had one year to live? You had one year. 
you realize that the next two weeks are some of the most valuable time you have. Because you, you, told, you, you think that the younger people need to start now, do it now. Well, that's, same, that's the same for you. You just don't have as much time left. So that means the immediate time that you have, take advantage of it. It's like, it's ASAP. Do it now. Whatever that is that's most important, do it now. Because, hey, guess what? Now you can just grow from there with the time you have. So this isn't really just for young people. This is for all people, young and old. If you think that you don't have much time left, pursue God. Make sure you're right with God. Make sure that you're considering your eternity. Not just because you don't know if God's going to bless you with tomorrow, but also because that is true. But it's also because with the time you have left, the next little bit of time is some of the most important. Because from that you can grow. From that you can grow and you can continue to pursue God. One thing that stood out to me is he doesn't say remember God. He says remember your creator. I think that what Solomon wants his son to remember is that we are the creation and God is the creator. He doesn't say remember God, although that's who he's talking about. He says, remember your creator. It makes it really personal. It's, it's more intimate to say, remember the one that made you, that formed you, the one who knit you together. God is the one that created. He called all things good in Genesis, realized there was something that was not good, and then he changed that. He made woman from man so that all was good once again. He created the person you love, the body you take care of, the nature that you explore. Created all of that, all the things you find exciting in life. But it's his creation. So he can tell us how to use it. He can tell us what to abstain from, all of that. He's our creator. He's our Lord. He's our king, but he's, he's our creator. I think it's also important to remember our creator in the days of our youth because he says that the evil days are coming going to be hard. There's troubling days. Old age is coming. There's no way to avoid it. Hardship is coming because that's what life brings. Depends on your translation of verse 1. It could say hardship or evil days. Whatever it is, it, it's, it's difficult. As we get older, our bodies fall apart. We've talked about that, and it makes us struggle. We start to wonder, why is this happening? How long am I going to have to put up with this? But this can happen when we're young, too. We, we can sit back and we can just question why is this happening? Why do I feel this that I feel? What is going on? <laughs> and it can really be troubling. Solomon's answer for how to deal with that is pretty simple. Look to God. Look to the creator. Oftentimes we don't look to God. We look to ourselves. We, like to, we look to ourselves to answer our own questions. That makes no sense. <laughs> or we look to other people that have the same problems, and we expect them to help us. And that also makes no sense. Look to the creator. The more we understand our creator, the better we can understand ourselves. And the last lesson I think that we need to emphasize is that we need to honor and cherish God now. This is not something to do eventually. This is not something to do one day after you're able to find some time. This is not something to do that you should have done in the past, and so there's no point now. I said I was going to mention the, those that are older, and I, I know I've mentioned it a little bit, but just I just want to say it one more time, <laughs> that if life is like a vapor and you believe that that life is growing dim, that vapor is starting to 
to kind of go out. Whatever time you have left, it might not benefit you for years and years to come, but it will be so much greater benefit if you just act now, if you do something now. It'll benefit you for the months or years you have. At the beginning, I mentioned some memories and things I remember. I want to tell you some things that I've noticed that I remember and I've held on to that I I need to forget. Because sometimes life teaches us false lessons, people teach us false things, and we feel or think wrong things. Here's Here's a couple things. I remember learning not to be surprised when someone lets you down. That people are going to people, which means that they're messy, and they're going to let you down. I remember learning that lesson the hard way. Like, don't be surprised. Everyone's going to let you down. You can't surprise me with anything. That was a bad lesson to learn. Another lesson is I remember learning to not speak up for fear of the outcome. To not speak what I actually think. To not share. Those are terrible lessons to learn. But that's what I learned growing up. You might have some of those same things. You might have taken some of those things to heart. You might have shaped yourself and molded yourself on false lessons, bad and wrong lessons. Some of those things don't jive with with Scripture, God, or the character of Christ, and we need to acknowledge that. And what we need to do is we need to remember our Creator instead of remember what my mom or dad taught me. Because sometimes they instill in us wrong lessons. Remember what that lesson taught me. I think it was a good lesson to learn not to have my hand below the blade when I'm whittling. That was a good lesson. But learning not to trust people, that's not a good lesson. Now, I know there's danger in that, right? That depends on how the person is going to... Okay, you can throw all the caveats out there. It's a bad lesson to learn to not trust people. It's a bad lesson to learn that only certain people deserve your love. Because that's not in keeping with Scripture. It's not in keeping with the character of God. And it's not in keeping with the character of Christ. The issue becomes when we're too stubborn to admit that that was a wrong lesson. We're the creation. God is a creator. If anything contradicts him or leads us away from him, that's the thing that's got to change. He's the one that created us and made us. Last lesson, we started to think eternally because I think in chapter 9, 10, he's like, he started that. Now that's what we're thinking about. We're just thinking about eternity here. If you notice, he actually says a couple times that that's what he's talking about. He says in verse 5 that man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. His eternal home. He, he's trying to emphasize to his son that death is imminent, but hey, there is an end. What you do now affects your end. And then he says in verse 7 that dust returns to earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. So if that's the reality that once our time is done, our spirit returns to God, our bodies are dust and just gone, but all that's left is spirit, then it's really a matter of what are we doing with what, what we have? What are, what are we doing with our, our, spirit, our spirit and our soul? Are we entrusting God with that, or are we just kind of using it for what we want to use it for? So here, here are a couple of things that I think we need to ask as we wrap up. Our bodies fail. We've emphasized that enough. So, whether you're young or old, how can you use your body, your time, your work, your wisdom, your education, your relationships, marriage? How can you use it for God? 
I think that's really the question we need to ask. Now, I know all those things are, are, are vanity when we only consider this life, but we're considering our creator now. So how can we use all these things for him? Using those things for God makes those things valuable and lasting because a relationship with the Lord gets better and better. So start now. If you have not yet honored God, if you not yet, uh, I'll say recognize him as your Lord, then you need to do that. If you don't even know what that means, then we need to have a conversation. We need to talk. I'll tell you a couple things that you need to know, though. What you need to know is that he sent Jesus to die for your sins so you could be forgiven. Jesus was raised so that we can have hope for eternal life and a resurrection ourselves. But what you need to do is you need to believe in Jesus. Not just believe that he existed, but believe he is the son of God, that he is the king. You need to repent and turn, have a change of heart and action from your sins. You need to turn away from those. You need to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You need to be baptized for forgiveness of your sins, like Peter tells his people in Acts 2. And he fills us, and he gives us that hope. He gives us the peace. He gives us a hope, and he gives us a home. So, honor and cherish God now. Scott's going to have a a song that's meant to just give us some time to think. And if you realize that you need help from this group, whether it's prayers, whether you need to take some of those steps that I mentioned earlier, or maybe you just have some questions, um, let's talk about those things and let's act now while we still have time.